Many athletes put everything they have into their training to reach their goals, but training is only one part of the process. How can we master the challenges we face outside the gym? You're about to enter the Juice Athlete Compound on training. Welcome back to the Juice Athlete Compound on Training. I am so thrilled to be sitting here with none other than Coach Josh Bernstein. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Of course. You know, one of the first things that I noticed when we first met, actually, I believe this was uh, in Fresno, and I was talking to you about a client that I had, and we were trying to work on dietary habits, and I was talking to you about hey, I would really like it if they could drink this much water or if they could eat this stuff, I think it would really benefit them. And one thing that stuck out to me, you responded with, well, can they even track how much water they drink? Like, have they done that yet? And the fact that you broke it down, even more so blew my mind and kind of opened my mind to a new way of thinking about developing habits, lifestyle stuff. So that's what I want to talk to you about today is how you as a coach go about helping your clients and helping your athletes manage habits, whether they're good or bad. So can you talk a little bit about how you developed an interest in this? I think ultimately for me, it came down to trial and error of things that just weren't working for me, working with clients uh, over and over again. I think we have this thing in mind that we want to implement. We want to go straight to the thing, right? The training, the exact diet that they should be eating. And we're constantly trying to force that upon our clients because we know that's the thing, the ultimate thing that that they need. Um, However, they're just not set up for that. They're not ready to receive that yet. Even though they come to us sometimes wanting that. Like, Mm -hmm. we come to you because we want the programming. We want the nutrition uh, expertise. Mm -hmm. Yet, they're just not ready to digest all of that stuff. And so, you have to start somewhere. You have to meet meet them. We say this all the time, right? Meet them where they're at. Yeah, exactly. So what are some things that you've, as far as your view of how to handle habits, how has that changed over time for you as far as your understanding of it or maybe some research that you've done that, that has changed your point of view of how you how you handle those problems? It's still trial and error. You know, I mean, I'm still figuring things out and, and finding the best way to work with people. And, and again, this is individual program design, so everybody's different, right? Everybody has their different attachments to food and everybody's going to respond differently to different dietary needs. Food's going to work differently with people. I mean, Mm -hmm. not everybody's going to get the same benefit from types of food. They're not going to use fuel the same way. And some people have different issues that may benefit from very little change and some may need a little bit more change to benefit. Yeah. Really how I go about this is uh, just like you had mentioned early on, I assign them small habits. And sometimes as a coach, we want to rush that process. But to be honest with you, the best thing that you can do for them is they need to own that habit and earn that habit for the next habit. You know, like if you assign uh, for them to drink, if they're drinking very little water each day and you assign them to add an additional 12 ounces to their day, they need to show you that they can do that consistently for, I would say, two weeks consistent, 14 days straight that they can do something that simple before they get the next thing. Because otherwise, you're spinning your wheels, you're creating these masterful plans, totally, and then totally. uh, those come back and they don't work. And then they point the finger, well, that's the thing <laughs> that didn't work. It, like Sometimes, really, if you just change their water intake, they might get a total different response 
response in their day-to-day. Yeah. They might get a response in the results they're trying to achieve. Yeah, totally. What, what are some things that you feel people don't pay enough attention to? I hear you mentioned water a bunch. You know, that's kind of the thing we opened with. Do you feel like water is kind of one of the main habits that people need to take a look at first? Do you think it's sleep? Do you think it's diet? As far as the things that are kind of outside the gym? Because again, like you mentioned, people want the program. They want the sexy stuff. But we know that these other things move the needle just as much. So what, what are the things that you feel are most important people need to stop and take a look at? Yeah, well, first of all, like you said, they, they want the gym, but the gym is such a small percentage. It's the stimulus, right? And everything else, the stimulus doesn't work unless everything else is put into play. Right. You know, at the juice, we say sleep is king and water is queen. Mm-hmm. And so really it is sleep first. All these other things are affected by sleep potentially. Mm-hmm. And if, if we can't address hunger issues, we can't address weight issues, we can't address hormonal imbalances until their sleep is really dialed in because that could be the thing. Yeah. And, and that could be affecting everything else. It's a trickle down effect, you know? So I do look at sleep a lot. Sometimes sleep's impossible for people to do. I mean, they just have a challenging life that they live. They yeah. work a ton. They have kids. They have stressful lives. We live in a society today that's just demanding of us. So sometimes sleep is just impossible. And so at that point, you have to just figure out how to tone them down, you know? And, and it's not more is better. Sure. What are some common faults that you find with people's sleeping patterns? Whenever we get a new athlete and we're assessing them, there's some things that kind of repetitively show up. Let's say you're assessing someone's deadlift. You, you know, a lot of times you'll see the stripper deadlift. That's a common fault. What are some common things that you'll see with sleep? A lot of it's irregularity in sleep, mm-hmm. where whether they aren't going to sleep at the same time every night and not waking up at the same time every day. Yeah. Sometimes it's four or five days of good sleep during work hours, and then they party on the weekends. And sometimes it's staying asleep, and sometimes it's having a trouble falling asleep because of their rituals or habits going to bed. So what, what kind of rituals or habits would we be talking about here? Yeah, falling asleep with the TV on. I mean, everybody goes to bed in front of the TV. It's sure. like, that's the most common thing I see. And it's like, it's funny because they know it's bad. They'll yeah. admit that it's bad. They know it's a problem, but they sort of roll our eyes at like, this can't be the thing. This can't be the thing that's like messing me up, but it can be the thing, yeah. you know? Um, and so many of them are just, don't, they won't give up. They're like, just, there's just no way. And I have a, a couple clients that I'm working with now that I deal with this, especially if I'm working with, let's say, uh, a female or she's the wife mm-hmm. and the husband is not a client of ours and, and has his own thing going on, whether it be yeah. uh, just busy in business. And that's his thing. He falls asleep with the TV on and they go to bed together. Together, right? Right. And so it's like, okay, I have to break her of the habit, but it's really his habit. Totally. And so how do you make that work? Right. So one suggestion that I'm working with, and it's not perfect and it's not hammered out yet, but if you watch your shows, try to watch them out in the front room together yeah. and then go to sleep together to go to sleep, you know, and see if you can kind of create some space around that. And it's not going to be perfect every time, but you can try to reshape some of these behaviors. Yeah. And you know what? That might actually have a profound effect on your relationship as well. If you guys are both taking the time to just turn the lights off and spend time together, you know, and talk, maybe that that might actually be a good thing in that area as well. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned having to deal with another family members or roommates or whatever, their habits. I've had to deal with that recently. I have a, a younger athlete and, you know, trying to prescribe a diet. I also have to prescribe the diet to the rest of the family and just be like, hey, if this is really important, then having these things in the house is going to be tough for him, you know? So it's a tough line to toe as a coach because you want to do what's important. And it's easy for us to say, we'll just make this happen and do it. But things aren't always just black and white like that. Exactly. And then if you look at, when you're looking at sleep, you have to look at age and and what age some of your clients are because their priorities around sleep can be completely different. You have somebody that's a little bit older who's a little bit, you know, not into the lifestyle of going out or staying up late. They pretty much go to bed at the same time every night. Then you can typically start to really dial in their sleep a little bit better. Whereas other younger clients that I work with who Mm -hmm. 
their patterns are pretty consistent during the week, but on the weekends, they're up till two in the morning and then they sleep in and then it's just how do you get back into that rhythm? So it's case by case and uh, you just try to do the best you can. It's not going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. But again, aligning that with what their goals are and what they expect to get, it's just sort of reshaping that. So you're not necessarily trying to fix their sleep. You're trying to fix what they're trying to get after, Yeah. right? They come to you for a certain reason and maybe we have to rethink some of those things if they're not willing to prioritize sleep. Totally. And I, I think that dovetails nicely into how does this fit, you know, within the sporting realm? I feel like especially, you know, someone like Haley is looking for any sort of competitive advantage that she can find because she's get reaching the upper echelon and the things that actually do separate the ones who are winning from the ones who are not, it, it's a small margin now. So those little details, those those habits, if you don't have that stuff down, those are the basics. That's like your barrier to entry is just having those lifestyle things down. Which habits do you feel benefit people the most in regards to the sport of fitness? And I'm not talking about training consistently. That's that's kind of a given. But, you know, you, you talked about sleep is king, water is queen. Are there any other things that you're constantly talking to your, your athletes about? Like, hey, if you want to move on to the next level, you need to have these ducks in a row. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And I think like, you know, going back to the point you made about Haley, she didn't learn that overnight. And that probably wasn't the beginning behavior. But she did realize that if I want to get better, I mean, I love this enough. She really sort of started to dial these things in. I'm sure they became more fine-tuned as time got on, mm-hmm. even more so now, right? Like even just last regionals, yeah. knowing that she was this close to like potentially making it, that she's like, man, if I just dial in a couple more things. So that's really the answer. I mean, yeah. let's say they have sleep dialed in. They're, they're pretty athletic. They're above average in terms of yeah. uh, athleticism. Yeah, if they want to go above and beyond that, after they've kind of dialed in these routines of like, now I've got training down pretty well. Like at least I'm sleeping pretty good. I'm pretty good about this stuff. Let's see where we can dial in other parts of our life. What What's the routine side of things that makes up our life, right? Like, I know I have these one things that I have to do. I have to work. Yeah. I have, let's say I have kids or I have school or whatever it is that I, my responsibility is. Those are things that maybe won't change. So what are other routines around doing what is to support what I love? Is it better, uh, you know, sources of recovery? Mm-hmm. Is it, how do I dial in my nutrition a little bit more? Yeah. Taking the time to maintenance your body and, and breathe work or whatever it is that you think you need to work on. Yeah. Like, what, what was it for Haley that really like she figured out that she needed to dial in this next year? One of the bigger things was recovery. Yeah. And I think especially with all the changes happening with the sanctioned events now and there really being not a real off season anymore, that's something that's just become paramount. She's really dialed in her sleep. She sleeps anywhere from like eight to 10 hours a night and it's not by accident. You know, I I think when I was in Virginia, she went to sleep at like seven every night, you know, and then she's waking up 5 a.m., 6 a.m., getting up hitting your am aerobic stuff so that that was a big one and then making sure she's stretching and taking care of any bumps and bruises that she needs to so that that was a huge change over the last year and she's just able to handle more now i think that at the end of the day that's really what it is is just putting the time in getting the contractions done and being able to recover as fast as possible you know because all these girls at at this level they're all good you know they're all talented. No, yeah, Josh. I mean, I think that's really it right there. Is like she know. I mean, she's getting older and she's able to do more now. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's really it. Like she building habits is routine. That's what that is. It's the same thing. They're interchangeable. It's just. It's just how do we make habits part of our daily routine to where it's like, we're not even thinking about, okay, what habit do I need to implement now? It's like, mm-hmm. this is my routine in life. Yeah. And I'm just like, I wake up, it's clockwork. You know, like I, I'm not training for a sport, but I'm in bed by 8.40 every night and I'm up at 4.40 just to make sure I get eight, eight hours. 
numbers. And for Haley, because she's training so hard, eight to 10 works for her. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. her number. And that's it. I mean, if I sleep anywhere under eight, I feel it. It's crazy, but I feel it, you know? Yeah. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I was listening to Coach Brett Bartholomew talk about setting an example as a coach. And he mentioned something about you as a coach are doing your best to set a good example and be like, well, this is what I do and stuff. Some people will look at some of the stuff that you and I do as coaches and be like, I could never do that. What you do is extreme, you know? I'm just a normal guy. But what I liked about first time I talked to you about this stuff is the way that you could break it down for Joe CrossFitter going in there and just getting it done. Where can we start based on where you're at? How do you take a habit or a problem and dissect it down to the smallest increment so that they'll have, you know, what is the next step for them, no matter what the goal is? And then also, how do you find good goals for them to get excited about? Because, you know, it's easy when you're like, hey, my goal is to PR my clean and jerk because that's sexy. I can put it on the Instagram and, you know, everybody comments like, hey, good job. It's a cool lift and you look like a badass. I think for some people, it's a little tougher to get fired up about, dude, I slept eight hours, 14 days in a row. So, Well, I used to think sleeping these times and going to bed early and waking up early was a thing of age. And it really became apparent that it wasn't. It was a thing of priority, right? It was like, what do I want and need that I function the best at? And what do I want out of life? And that's when it started happening. For my athletes, when I work with them, you would think that it would be like, what's the biggest problem they need to solve? And like, how do I chip that away? But mm-hmm. it's not It's not really that. It's what's the simplest thing that they can have success with? Yeah. And I start there typically with them and they have to earn the next thing. And I get caught up in it too sometimes where I get caught up in like wanting to give them things faster because I want, I'm excited for them to, to do that. And I know it's more effective, but those things eventually fall apart if I don't get the basics in there. And if they can't show me habits, right? basic building blocks of like drinking water before I give them like, yeah. I, I mean, I'm learning my lesson like with other clients along the way. I've done it. I were, I've painted the picture of prescription and said, this is what it should look like. And depending on their personalities, like I had one client who's got a pretty addictive personality and she's like oh so you're telling me eventually I need 145 grams of protein and boom the next day she's eating 145 grams of protein but she's like full all the time and having trouble and she should have worked up maybe 10 grams a week you know additional yeah. been, been consistent there and it wouldn't have been such a big deal for her to adapt yeah. so I start very simple with something that they can, I know they can have success with and then they got to show me that success before we move on uh, in terms of like what do I get them excited about in the gym in terms of setting goals I mean they got to really tell me what they want but working with people sometimes in person is really nice because I can see them get a little excited about yeah. some breakthroughs in their training and then highlight that and seeing them the next week and going, okay, uh, we added a set and like before you were struggling to get that third set. Now you have four sets of that. You're able to do that. Yeah. So sometimes those, you know, that's really about falling in love with that process and how you kind of get them to do that versus chasing this end goal of like PRing their snatch or something like that. Sure. Yeah. And I, th- I thought it was really great that you made that correlation there because, you know, a little light bulb just went off when you were explaining it. You said, what's the simplest thing that I can help them make progress on? I immediately started thinking about kind of our aerobic to anaerobic progression. And if someone is a beginner, we start them on the one end that they can do. You know, and then we slowly work towards getting into the anaerobic state, you know, once they can express power and, and get into that. If that's what the where they need to go, we don't start off by having them do sprints if they can't sprint, you know? Right. So it totally makes sense. Okay, if we're trying to develop new habits, we start with something that they can do already and then we develop harder and harder things. Right. Like if somebody is an aerobic athlete but they really want to express power, you don't go, okay, we're just gonna give you power. Like, do it. What do you mean? Just do it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Just lift the weight. Isn't this what you want? Yeah. How bad do you want it? Exactly. (laughs) You know, I know you have athletes of all different types of sports and disciplines and all that. What are some differing habits that you've had to tackle or lifestyle changes that you've had to make from one sport to another? And how do you navigate that? 
Yeah, that's a good question, man. I mean, some people come to you, they've had some training experience, they know what they want. For them, some of their habits are not as basic as, as water and food. Like they may not have that dialed down perfectly in, in your mind, but it works really well for what they're trying to do. It's not something that I necessarily need to approach. Now, yeah. I have people now that uh, are pretty good in the sport of fitness yeah. and I haven't touched their diet, but I'm trying to kill some other things first and approach those. And then when I see some systems failing with performance, then I can go to nutrition. Okay. Uh, yeah. Right. But, but for them, it's like, they're pretty good in the sport. They're going to do the open and they can do all movements. Right. It's building skill in that regard and teaching them how to pace a little bit. Yeah. And then when I know that they have that development down, I yep. might go back to nutrition and go, okay, this is where we can kind of like see some deficits here. If you adjust this, we might see a difference. Whereas now I'm sort of training them to learn how to pace better and then build skill within that. Do you find athletes that have to make weight for a certain sport, do you find that they're already a little more dialed in with some of their stuff just because of the nature of the sport they've chosen, they had to make weight and they're used to that? Or is it just kind of the same level of like, I need help across the board with all sports? Dude, you know, that's a great question. And, and it's funny because like <laughs> I never came... I never came from this world of like weight classes for, for sport. Like I didn't train in that uh, growing up. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, I was very unfamiliar with it and it always confused me. It's like, why are these people always like, I think even professional level, they're constantly having to make weight yeah. for their sport. And I always, you know, I asked him this all the time. Like, why don't they just try to train at their like fighting weight? And like, <laughs> it seemed like counterintuitive. They cut weight. They probably feel like crap. Yeah. And then once they make weight, then they go and they eat a ton of calories in the worst way. And you got to tell them they can't, they, they got to feel bloated from that and feel like, how are they, they going to be fast on their feet and fighting? But it seems like so crazy to me that they do that, but they still do it. Like in most of the people that come to me that are doing weight class type sports, they're still doing the same thing. And so, yeah. uh, you know, it's I'll mention the idea behind it. Like, uh, and I'm not sure that my idea is even that great. It's like, seems like so simple. <laughs> Why didn't somebody else think of it, you know? Well, the, the, but, the one uh, thing like in boxing is, it, let's say I'm trying to fight at 185, right? And I'm walking around at 185. More than likely, I'm going to end up fighting a guy who's walking around at like 205, 210. And they just cut water weight. They've tapered down. They've cut water weight. And then as soon as the weigh-in's over, they're jumping back up to like 197, 200 for the fight. So you're essentially fighting a bigger guy anyway. Exactly. And I get that. That yeah. makes sense to me, right? But I think in the sport of Taekwondo, like you have to be fast and, and aerobic. And like, I don't feel like cutting weight and then going back up in weight is going to be an advantage to you. Yeah. I feel like walking around in your fighting weight, you'd be the best advantage because you'd feel the best. Yeah. You'd always be strong and fast and the best in that, in that weight class. Yeah. And you know what? I've never done Olympic style Taekwondo or point sparring or anything like that. So it may be a little different. I know in boxing, power matters a lot. You know, if you have a strong right hand, you're going to knock people out more. Um, so, I mean, you need that extra bit of power and mass. Whereas, like you mentioned before, Taekwondo, you need speed and accuracy. So it may make more sense to to hover around that weight. I'm sure yeah. Tim could shed some light on that as well. Right. But uh, no, yeah, that's a really interesting analysis of that. For endurance sports, do you find that it is more or less less important to manage things like body fat percentage? Yeah. I think we look at like, let's just use a sport of fitness, for example. Sure. We look at those guys and they, to the average eye, those people look like 6%. They look like bodybuilders. Yeah. You know, they look like 6% body fat, yeah. but they're not. They probably hover around 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that they need that little excess body fat for some of their sports. And as they get older, they, the, those numbers go up as well, but. Right. And then they're not necessarily an endurance sport. I think you have cyclists and marathon runners that are more of an endurance sport, obviously. Mm -hmm. And even swimmers, I think swimmers for, for body fat percentage, do actually better because they're a little bit more buoyant in water uh, if they're carrying a little bit more extra body fat on. Yeah, true. Yeah, so I do think body fat percentage matters for endurance sports. I think having a, a slightly higher percentage of body fat is sort of a, a reserve of fuel. Totally. 
So circling back around to kind of the general lifestyle habits that a lot of us try to tinker with in order to get the physical results that we're looking for. If someone doesn't know what to eat or they don't know a good place to start as far as I just want to take a look at my diet and, and find out what I'm currently eating right now or what, what are some good metrics that they can maybe do on their own to, to assess whether or not they need, a, need help or have a problem, you know? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of, of weighing and measuring and tracking everything just because people's lives are so busy already that sure. I just don't see them being compliant doing stuff like that. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you on that. So I, really it's just kind of maybe writing it out, journaling some stuff, and just going, hey, like I not even not even knowing how much of if it, I mean, if it was a banana, you say a whole banana, but like if it was a steak and you don't know the amount, just try to guess the size, I guess, like compare it to something that you know, like your hand or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and just start writing things down, and then you can kind of get a look at like what's what's going in your system and potentially changing the contents a little bit. You know, I mean, when I upgrade people's uh, food prescription, it's slight, right? It's like, instead of taking away things that they're used to eating all the time, uh, how can we upgrade it slightly? Like I had a client who for breakfast every morning, it was Red Bull and Cliff Bar. And he, you know, he thought that was good, (laughs) right? He thought he was like, he was doing okay there. So instead of taking that away, I said, just, you know what, do me a favor, add an egg to that. Super easy to do. It doesn't take much time to cook an egg. Cook an egg, let's add that, and let's build that over time. Yeah. And in two weeks, and when you've done that every day, we can add two eggs. And eventually, it starts to replace some things. Right? You can't have the eggs in the Cliff Bar and the Red Bull because you just can't stomach all that. Yeah. He's full. Yeah. All right, cool. So let's take away the Cliff Bar or half a Cliff Bar or the Red Bull or whatever it is. And once you've built a base and a habit of like cooking this breakfast, then we can start taking away some things that are also in there. It's understanding the contents and trying to slowly change that. I mean, I definitely wouldn't do it all at once. Yeah. It's got to be, you chip away at it, small things. And I it's, honestly, I start in, in breakfast because I start with waking up and sort of like attacking the mood for the day, right? And like setting that tone of like being satiated and uh, we're setting the, setting the day up for success, essentially. Awesome. I, I really like how you broke that down. That was perfect. I feel like that's a great place to wrap things up. Uh, if people want to go ahead and reach you, where, where can they go to? They can find me on Instagram. Side Bernstein is my handle. Uh, they can reach me on Facebook, Josh Bernstein. They can go to the Juice Compound uh, Remote Coaching and find me there. I'm all over the place, you know? You are all <laughs> over the place, man. By the way, you guys can't see this right now, but Josh has probably the best mustache I've seen in all of uh, No Shave November. So please go to his uh, Instagram page. Check it out. It's pretty epic. And it's morphed over time. It hasn't just been the same mustache. It's very dynamic. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me, man. It's my it's my 70s stash. You had the 70s hair, too. That You cut that off, but that was working for you pretty well. Keeping it real. <laughs> the realist. Uh... Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. Stay tuned for more of these as these episodes come out. You want to make sure you hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Juice Athlete Compound on training.